from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. Talking season is over. Oh, yeah, I'm Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined as always by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, talking season's over. The football season is here. You ready? I am ready, but the bigger question, Chip, is. Are you ready? And is Texas ready? I think that's what everybody wants to know is if Texas is ready. Um, some people will see them on Saturday. Some may not if they don't have Longhorn Network. So plan ahead, maybe go find a local sports bar that may be airing the game. But a lot of a lot of uh, unknowns going into the season, Chip. How are you feeling about Texas? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this momentum that they have had. It's been unbelievable, sort of the offseason of all off seasons. Uh, since that five and seven season, they just had one piece of good news after another uh, that we've talked about uh, at length, and including the transfer of Quinn Ewers from Ohio State, the redshirt freshman who you got a chance to to talk to um, on Friday. I want to get your thoughts on Quinn Ewers, and here come the ULM Warhawks. Louisiana Monroe, coached by Terry Bowden. Terry Bowden, son of uh, Bobby Bowden. He had the best five-year start of any coach in FBS history when he started off at Auburn in 1993. He had an undefeated season in his first year at Auburn, and he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's got Vic Coning as his defensive coordinator. Vic Coning was at West Virginia when West Virginia was putting up uh, good defensive numbers here, um, the you know three years ago, and I don't think he has the talent, but they are projected to finish last in the West Division of the Sun Belt, Taylor. But we talked to Terry Bowden a little bit earlier this summer. You're going to hear that interview here in a in a few minutes. But Taylor, let's get to Quinn Ewers because obviously it's the first time he's spoken since spring football. Certainly the first time he's spoken since he became the starter at Texas. Now he's got a beard to go <laughs> with the mullet. My man does not give a bleep about appearance clearly, uh, but hey, it's all about what he's going to do when he takes the, the snaps from center Saturday night at seven o'clock. What'd you think of Quinn Ewers, Taylor? You know, I think we've only had an opportunity to speak to Quinn Ewers twice since he enrolled at Texas. So um, you you kind of get the the young freshman um, answers, you know, a little bit out of him. It, it takes a little bit of media training, I think. And so, uh, you know, he was pretty, pretty quiet when he's talking about uh, some of the things that have happened, you know, since fall camp started. But he did open up about... Um, him being named the starting quarterback. And he did say it kind of got a little bit easier for him after he was named the starter to kind of go through the motions and practice, go through a scrimmage, all of that, knowing that he is the guy not having to worry too much about the competition. Um, he talked a little bit about Steve Sarkeesian, how he broke the news to both 
Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card talked about how he spoke with them individually and he did that. Steve Sarkeesian spoke to them individually, did that just to um, show some respect is what Quinn Ewers said. But, um, you know, I think this is this is something that's going to be fascinating. One thing I thought that was interesting, anybody who has followed Quinn Ewers ever since he was a recruit, you know, Texas has been his dream school, Chip. He's always pictured himself playing for the Longhorns and he was committed at one point in 2020. He decommitted, reclassified, went to Ohio State, obviously is now the starting quarterback at Texas. But he said straight up, he said, this has obviously been a dream for me. Growing up, I was a huge Longhorn fan. I'm just excited to have the opportunity. God bless me. And I'm just super humbled and excited. And I thought that was, you know, I think that's kind of the epitome of Quinn Ewers going to this year. I feel like he's almost as like, these this unique figure that people think is all about himself possibly because he was the highest rated recruit coming in because you know there was rumors that he went to Iowa State reclassified so he could get paid and make money from NIL but everything we're kind of hearing behind the scenes is that's not really who he is he cares about playing football hanging out hunting and fishing and he is a new spokesperson for Wrangler. So I think maybe the haircut, the facial hair, all of that could play a role into that new uh, Wrangler's campaign. He did say he he shot that earlier in the summer, not in fall camp. So don't worry, Longhorn fans, that campaign coming out in August was not something he's been doing while working as a starting quarterback at Texas. But, you know, he he's a he's a an interesting guy. I think uh, he's a quiet guy. We kind of have talked about that chip on on the flagship podcast when we had Riley Dodge on talking about him being a you know kind of an even keeled go with the flow type of guy and um, doesn't get too high doesn't get too low and that could really benefit a team last year that um, really struggled with different adversities of getting too high and then getting really really low and not being able to come out of it. So it was really interesting. It was good to just hear him talk. Um, I'm, I think he's going to probably open up, I would imagine, more that he gets to speak to the media. But all in all, you know, just kind of getting the the inside look into him, kind of how the the quarterback, the starting role played out was was unique. I mean, what was your takeaway from what you saw from Quinn Ewers? Yeah, and I think it's important, the point that you brought up about uh, him reclassifying and going to Ohio State. Uh, some people felt like he did do that for the money, and I think they're is more to that story. Um, I don't think uh, Quinn Ewers uh, had that idea completely on his own, um, but I do think that he's where he wants to be now. And I think he is all about his teammates and let's see how well he has learned this offense and how well Steve Sarkeesian can put him into plays he's comfortable operating and, and gain some confidence. Gain some confidence. First start since his uh, junior year in high school, in um, when he, you know, took on Austin Westlake in the state championship game, and let's see how comfortable he is, how how he's interacting with his teammates, the chemistry, the the connection. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I love college football, so I'm a junkie just from the very nature of college football season, but. Um, you know, I've been covering Texas for 30 years. I've seen a lot of uh, ups and downs, and I know the the fan base is ready to see this thing start to go up. And from five and seven, it should go up, <laughs> and it should go up starting on Saturday. I, I think what you you got from Quinn Ewers is a guy who 
uh, is aware and thankful to Hudson Card uh, mm-hmm. for what Hudson Card has done in that quarterback room and in trying to help Quinn Ewers get comfortable. So I think there is chemistry there. And I know for a fact that Hudson Card's already getting attention from other schools as soon as he did not win the starting job. So let's see how dialed in Hudson Card is because I don't think we're going to see any movement from him um, until after the football season, but he's, he's already aware that he's a wanted man. And, and so we'll see how Steve Sarkeesian's got these guys uh, plugged in, connected, uh, because we know there is a very good chance that, that uh, Hudson card will have to come in at some point, whether Quinn Ewers suffers some kind of injury or needs some kind of change of pace or, just uh, whoever, you know, whatever the, the situation is, Steve Sarkeesian uh, has said it himself. He said, we might need him for a play. We might need him for a, a game, two games, whatever it is. We need Hudson Card to be ready to to come in, continue to prepare like he's the starter. And, and so uh, it is exciting. And there is good news to Taylor that um, Kelvin Banks, who suffered that ankle injury, uh, in the second scrimmage, has been practicing. Cole Hudson, who uh, had an ankle injury, suffered in the first scrimmage, has been practicing. These are two freshmen on the offensive line who are going to be in the two deep that comes out on, uh, well, Monday. We're recording on uh, on Sunday, late Sunday afternoon. Uh, so there's you know a lot going on here uh, as we get into game week. But that is some good news. Troy O'Meary. Uh, also practicing after uh, getting a little banged up in that first scrimmage. And we know Roshan Johnson is is also back at practice. So Longhorns, for the most part, unless there's been some development uh, that happened over the weekend, should be pretty healthy out, outside of the, the season-ending injuries to um, Isaiah Nair, the, the wide receiver, and Junior Angelau the offensive fifth year senior offensive guard. So uh, it, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's going to be, um, you know, a, a new cast of characters, 40% turnover on this roster. Steve Sarkeesian said there is going to be growing pains and um, you know, but he likes, he likes the talent. It just needs to grow. Yeah. And, and honestly, Chip, this may be, a, an ideal season opening matchup that Texas does have. It, it's a good thing it's not, you know, LSU. The first was not the first game of the season if you in 2019 or something like that. You know, this is a roster, a really young roster, and not even just young, but new, as you said, you know, almost 40% turnover on this roster from last year's team. I feel like this game against Louisiana Monroe is really going to give the the both sides the ball, honestly, and uh, specialists, which that's a remains a question mark. Steve Sarkeesian said that that's probably a competition that will go in the game week leading up to uh, the season opener against Louisiana Monroe, but not, not a knock on ULM in any way, shape or form, but Texas does enter this game as of August 28th is a 38 and a half point favorite over Louisiana Monroe. So obviously the experts in Vegas um, are expecting a massive win for Texas. And that may be a good Thing, honestly, just for a, a roster and a team that has had so many changes in less than 12 months since the last game of the 2021 season, this should be a pretty, you know, good opportunity for Quinn Ewers to get the reps in, get his confidence up, 
And if Cole Hudson and, and Calvin Banks are starting on the offensive line, get them some quality game reps, reps being true freshmen. There's a lot of, you know, young players that have never really um, seen a ton of playing time at Texas that aren't true freshmen too, that really could benefit from a lot of, of reps, you know, against ULM. So I do think that this is a perfect season opener for Texas before they face Alabama the following week. And look, ULM, we said it, Terry Bowden. Uh, you're going to hear from him in a minute. Um, Vic Koning is the defensive coordinator. Uh, this is a ULM team that uh, beat Troy last year, beat Liberty, coached by Hugh Freeze and beat South Alabama, which has Major Applewhite as its offensive coordinator. So um, Terry Bowden went from, oh, took over an 0-10 program, went 4-8. and eight. It was the, the biggest turnaround in the Sun Belt last year. And I'm not saying this is a team that you need to fear, um, but they do have seven starters back on offense from that um, that team that that beat Troy, that, that beat Hugh Freeze's Liberty team, and and uh and beat south alabama so uh they've got six starters back on defense and as you'll hear from terry bowden um willie tyler who was at texas a juco transfer to texas uh, then ended up at louisiana monroe and uh, he was their best offensive lineman last year and then got plucked by rutgers in the new nil uh transfer portal era so uh, Terry Bowden having to to replace some holes because some of his talent got uh, scooped up by by bigger programs, and um, it's a, it's a fascinating journey that Terry Bowden's been on. He's gonna you, you'll hear about it how he ended up being a a grad assistant at Clemson. It's a fascinating story, and this is a guy who's won a lot of games. He had AJ Milwee as his offensive coordinator at Akron. Taylor, A.J. Milwee, who's the, now the quarterback's coach at Texas, obviously. Um, he was the offensive coordinator at Akron under or under Terry Bowden for uh, six seasons. And we think of A.J. Milwee as this young, spry guy on the, on the, you know, rising up the ranks. But he's actually been an offensive coordinator for a number of years and uh, in that role for Terry Bowden. So and Terry Bowden recruited Jimbo Fisher to be his quarterback at Samford. Yes, that Jimbo Fisher. He played for Terry Bowden when Terry Bowden was the head coach at Samford. So you'll you'll hear all kinds of great stuff in this interview coming up. Um, and look, Texas needs to handle business Saturday night, Taylor. This is this is we need to see uh, a team that looks competent and looks confident because we know Alabama's rolling into town. Uh, in just under two weeks. Yeah, Chip, before we get to the Terry Bowden interview, I feel like it's important to tell our listeners we will have a, a minor tweaks to our in-season schedule for the flagship podcast. We will have a Monday show still as we are running right now. And um, moving forward, the plan is to have a, a beat writer or somebody that covers the upcoming opponent. Um, so for Alabama, you'll want to tune in on Monday. We'll have uh, one of our 24-7 Sports Alabama reporters joining us for an in-depth preview of the Crimson Tide. Wednesday, Chip and I will have our normal show that we have, our commentary show, where sometimes we have to go back and forth and banter a little bit. But hey, it's all fun and games. And then 
Uh, we will also come back after the games on, depending on the time that the game ends, either late Saturday night or Saturday, excuse me, depending on the time, or first thing Sunday morning with a game reaction uh, show. So be on the look for that. And uh, as always, you'll want to head on over to Horns 24-7 for all of the latest Texas scoop. That's right. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is our interview with Terry Bowden, the head coach of the ULM Warhawks, Texas's season opening opponent. Very excited to be joined by Terry Bowden, head coach of the ULM Warhawks, former Auburn head coach, former Akron head coach, son of Bobby Bowden. Terry, thanks so much for uh, taking a little time with us. Chip, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, uh, always uh, enjoy talking uh, uh, with you and this organization and, and just the, the game, upcoming game with Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I think people, um, you know, they look at Louisiana Monroe and they may, sure. they need to look a little closer to see that Terry <laughs> Bowden is coaching. Well, you know, I wish that would be, I, mean, I wish this all came down to it's something is like that, but it doesn't. And they still probably have better coach than I am. Uh, but you know what? It's an exciting game for us to be playing at a venue like the uh, Texas Stadium uh, in a town like Austin in front of 100,000 people plus. Um, and that's an exciting part. The, the negative is that you're getting paid a lot of money to play a team that's a lot better. Uh, and uh, you got to have a lot of things go your way. But done this a long time. I've been on both sides of this coin. And uh, we're going to bring a good, solid football team in there to play. You know, Terry, I, I want to get – we'll get to the – Right. Your your team and everything, but you're I mean, you spent 10 years as a college football analyst. So you you've always had great thoughts about college football in general. Mm -hmm. And and um and you know, you were at Auburn in the from 93 to 98, and now you're coaching in the age of the transfer portal and uh -huh. and NIL. How how has it changed for a head coach? You know, it, it's well, obviously, the portal and the NIL combined at one time uh, makes it very hard to manage your roster. I think that's something that I'm, I don't have any history to fall back on. Okay, what do I do in January? What do I do in February? What do I do in May? It's, you never seem to have your, your recruits in, you never seem to have your roster solidified. And so it's a new thing. And, uh, but I've been through so many from, I think when I, what, you know, my first year of playing football in West Virginia, my 1974, I, I want to say that it was still unlimited freshman or maybe, maybe four or five years. It was, I, I know Johnny majors won a national championship at Pittsburgh. He had 93 freshmen. He signed Tony Dorsett and all that. So we've gone from that to 45 to 25. Uh, we've gone to so many different things uh, with, with prop 48s and all the things that we've done with, and so, you know what I tell my coaches? You know, all we can do is do a better job of handling it than the rest of the guys in our conference. We can't make it change. We can't make it better. We can't make it worse. I don't think it, we can even determine now whether it's going to really even hurt football. It, it'll, it may be a little different in managing our teams. But our job here at, at ULM is to do a better job managing than Lafayette, than Southern Miss. Uh, and, and that's all we can do. And don't worry about things we can't control. Terry, I gotta. I want to take you back to Auburn for a second uh -huh. because you went eleven and zero your mm -hmm. first year at Auburn in nineteen ninety three. I think you had forty six wins through five seasons, and then the one and five start in in yeah. ninety eight. And 
and you stepped down and it came after a column about, you know, the alums at Auburn, like <laughs> lacking patience after well. you went, I mean, and, and Terry, from that point on, Auburn's gained this reputation as this just unreasonable place to coach. And there was craziness there again last year. What, what is it about that place? Is it, is it the big money guys? What, what is it that makes it so hard to, to well, you know, but you know what it's, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that Texas, the, uh, the politics are pretty big. I know it's that way. It probably LSU it's Alabama. When the bigger the school and the more people that, uh, that have influence are involved, the more you better keep them happy and not on the other side. You know, and, and as I look at back at Auburn, I can think of nothing but good good feelings about all the success we had there during those times. Those were the most successful first five years of any coach. But, you know, uh, Tommy Tugville ended up facing the same thing. Gene Sizzik, the same thing. Uh, uh, Gus Miles, yes. the same yes. thing. So I, I think when you've got uh, 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 situations where – one, it's so important to people that love the school because I don't know that I want to place Auburn in too much of a different situation than a lot of schools. I know if you don't win at the, at the big schools, and there is no bigger school than Texas. There is no bigger school historically and, and tradition. Uh, you've got to be successful. And if you don't keep the right people happy, you know, it may not happen. But, you know, you know, I, I want to say that I wouldn't change it for the world having been at Auburn. I was the youngest head coach at 36. We didn't just win 11 straight. We won our first 20 straight in the SEC. I'd probably make about a $100 million contract now. I got a new watch while I was there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but you know what? When we split up, I went to work for ABC. Got to work with John Saunders in Times Square 10 years. So I had 15 years as a head coach. I had 10 great years of having more fun than you can ever imagine, broadcasting and doing studio shows in New York. And now I'm on my 11th year coming back in my 27th year. So I've been really blessed uh, uh, just to be where I am at 66 years old coaching. And, and uh, so it's been fun. Those were great times. It's almost like that was a different life. <laughs> who who was the most talented player you coached in your oh, time at Auburn? I really, Takeo Spikes. You remember Takeo? Oh, line? yeah. Oh, he was that neck. Guy. Yeah, but neck. I mean, he had, if he had, he had he had shoulders up to his helmet. Yeah, he was a he was a uh, first round eighth eighth guy pick first round as a middle linebacker. You know, usually those guys come out on third downs, but he was a four five forty. I thought he's the only guy that I've ever coached that could have played NFL ball right out of high school. He was that talented. May have been specialty only, but he was that good of a player. Now I didn't. You know, I was at Division three, Division two, II, Division one, AA. Uh, Division One Group of Five and Division One Power Five. So I've been half my career at lower levels where you don't have as many NFL players. And I've had Willie Anderson. I've had great offensive linemen who spent years and years in the pros. Uh, but I've had as many players that I considered great team guys. You know, Jimbo Fisher was the very first quarterback I ever signed in high, out of high school. Is and that he right? Was still the best. Yeah, he was. I signed him in 1983. He was my first quarterback. He worked for me 14 years. A.J. Milwee was with me seven years, the year quarterback coach there at Texas. He was a great quarterback. We don't think about all the great players like A.J. and Jimbo because they were at smaller colleges. But it, but there's a lot of those out there and that I appreciate over the years. Well, tell us about A.J. Milwee. What, oh, what, what stood out about him? He, great teacher. Great. Well, first of all, great person, great human being. And I think it's very important to me to surround myself with coaches who have the right type of uh, mentorship that they can give to the players, the right type of leaders, the right type of character, uh, great wife, great family guy, great dad, mom, great family, 
a perfect guy to, to, to I saw the Manning quarterback is there uh, coming in. And I thought, well, that's the perfect guy because AJ's the perfect coaches. I would say more cerebral than visceral. You know, Jimbo Fisher and Damian Craig were a couple of my quarterbacks at AM. I know y'all y'all don't want to talk about AM, but I, I think of Jimbo as being a very, very uh, visceral, very gut feeling type of play caller. Uh, AJ, a very cerebral. I think he's much more cerebral. And I think that's kind of what uh, a quarterback needs uh, a lot of times. That is, uh, that's fantastic stuff. Okay, so your dad is is the legendary Bobby uh-huh. Bowden. Do you find yourself uttering isms, Bobby isms, <laughs> in your day to day life? And if so, what are like your favorites? The, the, everything's a Bobby Bowdenism. You got to remember, <laughs> I played for him at West Virginia. He left me, he left me as a little old walk on with the next coach for a couple of years. Then I went down and GA for, for him, and I've been a head coach ever since. And I studied him everywhere I've ever went. And so almost everything I've got is a Bobby Bowdenism just from, you know, you, if you, you got good leadership, you don't have injuries, you got a chance to have a good year, you know. And uh, But the biggest the, – but he's a – I think it's just the way he treats people. I don't know if it's one thing in particular other than the dad gummits that we all miss. You know, he just passed one year ago this past week, uh, and I miss him every day. But, but I think the funniest thing was for the last 20 years, I get up at four o'clock in the morning, he'd get up about five and we talked every morning for the last 20 years. And every morning we would leave the conversation. He would have the final word. He'd say, Hey, Terry, you say something good about me and I'll say something good about you. <laughs> and we would laugh because I'd be speaking in one state. He'd be speaking in the other state. And that was his way. Hey, you, you got my back. I got yours. Cause in this game of football, we always got somebody getting on us pretty bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. And and Tommy, I mean, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, you're the you're the eldest, right? No, Tommy's two years older now. He was, oh, he was my, my bad, my bad. He was my coordinator at Auburn. Uh, then he went on to Tulane and went undefeated, uh, and uh, and then went on to Clemson. But Tommy retired at fifty five and and uh, is enjoying every minute of retirement. I don't know what to do if I retire, but Tommy, you know, Tommy is a uh, he never had a losing season at Tulane and um, and um, Clemson in the nineties. You talk about a, a fun a fun decade. Do you know the decade of the nineties? In ninety three, I went undefeated national coach of the year. In ninety eight, Tommy went undefeated Tulane national coach of the year. And in ninety nine, my dad went undefeated national coach of the year and national champion. So long time ago, you know, all my players were not even born when I was at Auburn. So <laughs> maybe the first time wow. they ever hear that. <laughs> How about that? How about that? And it's so funny. Arch Manning's high school coach played for Tommy at Tulane on that, <laughs> well, on that undefeated my, team. Hey, my last SEC, my last full year at Auburn in the SC championship, we lost to Tennessee on a late touchdown pass from Peyton Manning to Peerless Price. So I was coaching against Peyton, the dad uh, or uncle uh, of Arch uh, in my last game, uh, last full year at Auburn. Okay. We're making our way right, to, <laughs> to your time at ULM, but you were an analyst uh-huh. for Dabo for yeah. two years at Clemson before right. you took the ULM job. Right. So tell me about that. How did that come about and well, what did you get out of that experience? Great opportunity. You know, the, the analyst situation has changed since I began coaching or even the last 10 years. Uh, and lately, I, we all noticed that, that coaches that maybe get their contracts get bought out uh, and they've got money, they'll say, I want to go be an analyst somewhere and keep my name in the hunt, to keep myself active. And here I'm 60, hey, I'm 63 years old, 
And, you know, that's a perfect coaching age. That's not a good hiring age. <laughs> that's the truth. And so I said, you know, I got to go jump on as an analyst somewhere. And, of course, Dabo was in Alabama as a player when I started at Auburn, and I've known him forever. And then my brother hired him, and then my brother recommended him. So I thought I could pull in a marker there and, and be an analyst. But you know what? When I got there after spring ball, he said, Coach, I, I, I don't have any, any analyst positions open and you can't volunteer because I told him I can volunteer. I got my own salary. I got my own benefits. He said, he said, I don't have an analyst position left open. You'd have to be a student or uh, 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 be a paid salary. I have nothing. And I said, okay, I'll go back to school. So, you know, I went back and applied for grad school at 63 years old. And during my two years as an analyst at Clemson, I got my master's degree <laughs> at Clemson just so I could stay in the hunt and coach a little bit more. And then I enjoyed, I enjoyed sitting in the back of the room because for, for about 25 years, I sat in the front of the room every meeting, and I enjoyed watching and studying Dabo and how Clemson's been able to build that program. Uh, and that was very, that was interesting because I, I really was more focused on not learning how to call plays or, or do that, but watch how he managed a football team and how he managed a team that was really take, took Clemson to another level. Yeah, that is, that's, you know, that's funny. It's what Gary Patterson told me that you know, now that he's a special assistant to Sark at Texas, right. he likes being able to walk out of the meetings and say, well, I hope Sark can solve that problem. <laughs> Not I, my problem. I promise you, I know exactly what he means. I had, <laughs> There was nothing more fun than to sit in the back room when all your life you've sat at the head table and everything falls on you. I, I enjoyed having someone else take the blame. Okay. Or, so credit. <laughs> well, we'll take a quick break. We'll take all a quick right. break with, uh, with Terry Bowden, head coach of the ULM Warhawks. Terry, the ULM job comes open. They're 0-10, um, you know, the previous year. And and you say, I want that job. Yeah. What what led to you taking that job? All right, all right. First of all, you when you're when you're when you're you got a pandemic in the middle of it. You're 64. By that time, you're 65. And you're wondering if what jobs will even come open. You can't get offered a job till it comes yeah. open. And in 2015, ULM was hiring a coach. They flew up and talked to me. And I almost left then. They really were trying to get committed to, to building their program, but they just couldn't. It just didn't work out. I, the salary was, was, we couldn't come up with the right figures and nobody's fault. So I'd already knew a lot about them. And, but, you know, when I finally – and I so I knew the, the area of the country, where they recruited. You know, you got to remember, East Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and not a bad recruiting area. And uh, and I knew all about the, the the league. I've coached against most of the people in the Sun Belt, and I knew enough about ULM. So when they called and uh, I said, you know what, this is this may be the only opening that, that comes after me. And I've said this, you know what, if you're going to take over a job, and I, everything I've taken over has to be a turnaround job where you turn one around – I said, you might as well be a 10 and 0, 0 and 10. I don't want a 1 and 9 team. I want to take over an 0 and 10 team uh, and see where we can go. So we had the biggest turnaround last year in the conference. The, the zero to four wins was the biggest turnaround. So it's, hey, you know what? You don't want to go 11 and 0 again like I did at Auburn because there's nowhere to go but down. So <laughs> I learned I learned a lesson at Auburn. <laughs> well, you had Rich Rodriguez as your yeah. offensive coordinator. Uh, his son was one of your quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you got Vic Caning as your defensive coordinator now. We know him from his days at West Virginia. He was putting together great defenses uh -huh. at West Virginia. I mean, your Rolodex is about as, as good as it comes, Terry. Well, you have to be. First of all, group of five, you make your coaches make just enough money to be high on everybody's list. 
because you don't have to outbid anybody for the coaches. And I've got some pretty good ones. Now, Vic Coning, you mentioned West Virginia. He was my brother's coordinator at Clemson. He's twice been coordinator at, at Troy, Kansas State. He's been several places. He's been very successful. I've known him since he was a coordinator for my brother at Clemson. But it, twice he was at Troy, and twice they had the number one defense in, in this conference, number one or two. And I know he can coach. And so I was glad to get him this time around and was, was thrilled about that. Matt Coning, my new offensive coordinator, he was an offensive coordinator here for four years. So they had great offense at that time. So, you know what, if anything, I'm fortunate of when we lose a coach, I've got coaches or players that play for my brother, my dad, or I that are looking for jobs. And so I think I've got a pretty good Rolodex, like you said, but that's also something that you got to expect at a group of five school. If you get good coaches, you're going to lose them. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, and so let's get to your team. Now you've yeah. got eight starters back on an offense, four starters back on defense. What, you know, what, where do you, what do you like most about your team and where do you have some work to make up here in camp? Well, I mean, I mean, I think we're getting closer to being competitive at the, at, in the Sunbelt conference. We won three games in the conference last year uh, and we were competitive in several others. We led in eight games. So I think the biggest thing is that from an overall team standpoint, offense, defense, we are getting level uh, talent that matches up with the level of our conference. We had to upset people to win games last year. Uh, and I think we're going to have to do that again this year. But overall, I think we don't have – I don't think we've got a bunch of first-day draft choices. You know, we may have a free agent or two, but we don't have any first-day draft choices. We've got good, solid Sunbelt players, and they have really bought in. They're great. I just good – I enjoy coaching them. After 25 years, I want guys that I like, you know, and I want yeah. them to work hard, and I want them to play hard and to be mentally tough, but I also want them to be – good character guys. And I've had, you know, I've had some great players that I didn't like very much. I didn't tell them that. Yeah. But I, think I really like the, the, the quality of, the, of our guys. And I don't know what, you know, we've got Texas in three, two weeks later, we got Alabama. So I don't know what will happen in those games. I've coached enough of these kind of games, but I know that if we go out there and play our best, don't get beat up and hurt. I think we're going to have a very, very competitive team uh, in the Sunbelt conference. Where, where do you, uh, you know, what would you consider the strength of your team mm -hmm. and what's your biggest concern? Uh, well, I think take offense. I think we got two quarterbacks back that are very, very solid Sunbelt quarterbacks that can run and throw well enough to be successful in the Sunbelt. Uh, and, our, and, and the depth that our receivers and running backs is our best depth. Uh, and so I think that, but, our, but again, we lost some linemen, you know, uh, um, Willie Tyler from uh, uh, Texas was our best lineman, and he left and went to Rutgers. So we, our best guy was a guy that couldn't play for Texas or didn't play a lot for Texas. Uh, so we've got to shore up that offensive line. We've got some good portal transfers. We'll be solid. I would think if there's going to be a, a mismatch or a chance where we'll come in there and Texas will be uh, at, a, at a real talent level, that'll be, to, me, to me, that'll be one of the areas we have to really be concerned about, just making sure we can protect the quarterback and we can run our offense to some degree. Defensively, we, we, we got a lot of new faces, but Vic Coning, we brought in some more portal transfers on defense. And when you got a guy that's in his 60s, that's been a coordinator all his life, I've kind of watched him bring in guys that you're not, not quite sure how they fit in, but you know he's sure. He's sure how they fit in. He knows the kind of players he needs. And so uh, I just feel good about the, 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 uh, the staff that I have. Otis Bounds, my new secondary coach, 
He played for me at Auburn, you know, Ricky Logo, a great defensive line coach, uh, uh, who was at Washington State, has worked with uh, uh, Coach um, uh, Coning uh, before that, and Ron West, our linebacker coach, has is, is, uh, been around a, a good bit too. So, anyway, defensively, I like the, the – I like – I like the leadership and the fact that Coach Coning has been in the – he's been in the battles. He's battle-tested. He's He can react under pressure. I think he can put his players in the best position to be successful and then maybe more importantly during the game make the quickest on-field adjustments to give us a chance. And I, that comes only with a coordinator that has some history that's yeah. been there before. And so I think that's going to give us a chance to be a lot better. Our, our star – our best player is our middle linebacker, Zach Woodard, uh, he is a very, very good Sunbelt player uh, and has a knack for getting around the ball. The definition of a, of a, of a good coach is someone who can solve a problem quickly. Right. A- absolutely. I, I think on game day, you're really talking about that. Now I, I spent 20 of my first years about calling plays. And so your ability to, to, to react quickly on game day is the most critical thing. And people think, well, you had a great game plan. Well, the defense has put in a different game plan while you're putting in your game plan. And so by the first series, you're playing a whole different scheme than you thought they're going to have. And the key to being successful is to make not halftime adjustments, but every series adjustments to the little things that they're doing. And so I've got a couple of coordinators at least have got some background in that. And if I don't keep my nose out of it, I'll probably add some of the offense. Uh, AJ knows what a headache that is because he was my coordinator. <laughs> he probably hated having me on that headset too. Uh, but but I think game game day game day adjustments, being able to have been in the been in the trenches, been in the wars before, uh, allows you to make those kind of adjustments. Now in Texas, we may not have enough bullets in our gun, uh, even if we do make those adjustments. But you know that's the last thing in the world we should be laying our laying our heads on our pillow worried about because we can't can't change that. Yeah. Well, AJ was your coordinator at Akron, mm-hmm. another one of your turnaround uh, projects. You won a MAC championship at Akron. Um, everywhere you go, you you get it going, Terry, and that's that's uh, that's exciting for the folks there in in Monroe. Yeah, you know what? And I think and I and I really I I I believe absolutely that we'll be competitive with this conference and we'll be in the conference championship at some point. Uh, the Western Division for, you know, Western Division, I've always said when I was at Auburn, there is no division tougher than the Western Division of the SEC. There is not, and there still is not. But the Western Division of our conference, Texas State, uh, um, Arkansas State, South Alabama, Southern Miss, Troy, everybody had losing seasons except Lafayette. So we do have a wide open division. So really there's some excitement here because we're one of a bunch of, that are trying to get their program back on top. Have you been to Cormier's? In Monroe? Oh, you can't go for crawfish? You can't oh, yeah. Me? You got to go to Cormier's. I'm going to tell you, great place. Uh, you know, if you don't like crawfish, you better fake it till you make it. <laughs> they got crawfish in your grits. They got crawfish in your dead gum. Everything you do has got crawfish. And so if you don't like it, you better pretend that you do because you, you ain't one of them if you don't like crawfish. That's right. That's right. Okay, so what? Uh, give me a John Saunders story. You know, you were ten- Here's my favorite one. I tell people, you're a broadcaster. When I went to New York they, the, as an analyst, now, and I've been a head coach 15 years, and, and I've been a son of a coach since I was born, and you think you know a little bit about football, and now I'm going on live television in New York City in Times Square, and it ain't it ain't taped, it's live. And, and I don't care how many times you come out of that tunnel, you get nervous going live. 
And he'd had situations in the prior times where his partner would just go blank. He'd ask, he'd go blank on national TV. He said, Terry, let me tell you, there are three little rules. Three things are going to happen to you in this business, and you got to follow the rules. He says, the first thing you need to do when you go live TV is say something. If I ask you a question, just say something. <laughs> he, said, he said, and then when you get good, you'll say something important. And he said, if you, and if you last long enough in this business, you'll say the most important thing. And you know what? Say something, say something important, and say the most important thing. Not a bad rule for a lot of people in a lot of businesses. Not bad. Not bad for a hockey player. He was a but hockey player. Great hockey. He loved he, he it, during the fall. He would be doing hockey games. He was a he was a play by play for the Toronto Raptors. He did hockey. He loved hockey, and he did college football all at the same time. Wow. Well, okay. Real quick on Willie yeah. Tyler. Yeah. I mean, what what kind of player was he? Because we never saw him play at Texas. <laughs> We know he, we know he, he was great for our level. I don't know the, I, I think for, when you play for Texas in the league y'all play in, uh, he has to keep his adrenaline up a notch and play with great intensity. Uh, but he played with it. He, he was growing into that. He was growing into that. You know, I, I'll say this. He was six foot six, you know, 315, 320. We lost three players after spring ball. Chip, we lost a, a left tackle who was six, six. We lost a defensive end who was six, five and a cornerback that was 6-1. Those are the most difficult things to find, and they all went power five. And, and we'll see if they start because they may be depth. But if you – I've almost decided I'm going to sign 6-2 tackles. Uh, no matter how much I want a 6-5 guy, because if they, if they develop and are any good, we're going to lose them. They're going to go in the portal. So, anyway, Willie, he was a great uh, – he was a really good player for us, uh, and, he's a, and he's a good person. Uh, but maybe Rutger, Rutgers will be a great place for him to see if he can get back in the – in the power five uh, and see what he can do. Well, Terry, I, I could talk to you all day. I mean, you got that. You just, you, you were fantastic as a college football analyst, by the way. Well, thank um, you. And, and everywhere you've been, you've won. So uh, I think Texas fans are, they're paying attention now that they know Terry Bowden is the head coach of the ULM well, Warhawks. Tell them not to pay too much attention till the second <laughs> game. <laughs> Well, we don't listen. want to get blown out. We just want to come in there and uh, and 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 make a great showing. And we'll we'll play hard. We'll make a great showing. But uh, uh, and we're thankful. A lot of people don't realize, Chip, that when it talks to the big money in college football, the only way we group of fives can get it is if the power five school give us a game because we make you know almost two million dollars playing Texas. And uh, yes, we want to win uh, when we play power five schools. But we also need that money to make our budgets work. And so it's a great way of kicking that TV money down to the uh, group of five level. Well, I, I don't know how much you've looked at Texas, but yeah. I guess I should ask you for a thought on Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, what the Longhorns trying to come back from a yeah. five win season themselves. Well, I think I think if you look at Nick Saban, his first year at Alabama, you'll see a lot of times we're a great coach. The first year they've got to make decisions. They've got to change what they're doing and the results don't show the biggest success comes from year one to year two. I, I see great talent. I see him competing for the conference championship. Uh, and I see a team that we, we're going to have, we're going to go in there hoping they do things that would, that would, I mean, we beat Northwestern the year they played for the big 10 championship when I was at Akron, we had two pick sixes, you know, you have to have something like that. But I would think if those guys will just continue to stay steady and follow the plan, uh, I would expect to see the Texas back in the hunt for the conference championship this year. Well, listen, we, we sure do appreciate you taking some time with us. 
and uh, and we'll see you in Austin on September 3rd. Thanks so much, Terry. Thank you for having me. Take care now. All right. For Terry Bowden, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.